The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. And we welcome you back one more time to Afternoons with Mike Heard Daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network. Got my friend Mark Goldstein, my buddy, my co-worker. Hey, friend, you're host of your own radio show. Man, oh man, great to have you here. It's great to be here with you today, Mike. You know, there's so many things going on. Some of the things that we're going to be talking about in this program are really in your, uh, kind of in your court, what you're facing. We'll be discussing some of that in just a minute. But then the rest of us right now, we're we're going through a weird time. I mean, you know, they have this uh, expression in the media called the news cycle. And the news cycle, it, it tends to, if you, if you don't know what that term means, it basically means there's, there is a cycle that happens in the reporting of news where a story will bubble up to the front. Uh, and it, it's like it takes front page headlines and it is, the, it is what's talked about at the water coolers in the offices. And then after a while, that thing kind of dies down and then a new story emerges. It, it can be unexpected. It might happen in the middle of what would have otherwise been a, another cycle. Uh, this week, the cycle is all about who else? President Donald Trump, vice yeah. former President uh, Donald Trump, I should say. Uh, and supposedly he put out, now he did this. Uh, he put out a, a uh, all caps uh, tweet. It, it wasn't on Twitter, though. I got to get all my stuff right here. We've got too many. Yeah, yeah, but this, yeah, but this. On Truth Social, I think is the name of his platform. Mm. He posted that he was going to be arrested, and that is today. Mm. Now, I don't, that news, that intel came to him, he says, uh, through a leak that in itself was illegal. Mm. So the news cycle today is, is this going to happen? And I've already read one article early this morning, Mark, that says, uh, I don't think it will. You know, the, the person who wrote it thinks that they've got now intel, which is not, it's not going to happen for another week. So all that to say, uh, you know, the news media in America, they're a buzz right now. Well, great illustration to news cycle. When's the last time you read something on Ukraine? That's true. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Now, and it's the, still I, going on. It's still going on. The war's still going on. Uh, it is, you know, I go back so often, it seems, in my mind as well as in conversations with people. But I go back to a class that I took when I was at uh, the university. Uh, and now it's called the University of Southern Indiana. But back then it was called ISUE, Indiana State University with the Evansville campus. And I had a wonderful communications teacher there that taught a lot of from the work of Marshall McLuhan, who was kind of a, a media philosopher of the day back in the 70s. And a lot of what he said, I mean, it has the kind of, uh, kind of uh, depth to it, if you will, of what Orwell would have had mm -hmm. when he looked ahead and saw all that about Big Brother and all. Well, he, Marshall McLuhan, back in the day, talked about the news, and he foresaw a day mark, and this was something I studied in the early 70s. He foresaw a day where he said the news would stop, the, the news media would stop reporting the news and would begin to massage the news. Mm. They would begin to kind of form the news right. as they talk about it. And we're seeing that today, aren't we? I think we are. And I think a lot of it comes from uh, like Columbia University uh, journalism students mm -hmm. that are you know, being taught by fascist, communist, Marxist teachers that have tenure that aren't going anywhere. And they form their beliefs, how they're going to be a journalist based on what the teachers tell them. I mean, I get it. I yeah. remember when I was in college. Uh, some of my professors, uh, I believe 
now the way they did because that's how they taught me and and I believed it. Mm-hmm. Some of the things I've altered my opinion, but still I think that's what you see these uh minions <laughs> in the in in the the media. You know, I think it's important that we always as I say we are listeners, I think for those of us that are part of the Shepherd Radio uh, as a uh, former pastor, uh, a full-time pastor for 36 years, I want to let you know that we've got to have this sustaining desire and uh, maybe you could call it a constraint on what we say, what we do, what we think. We have to always look at what's going on in the culture through the lens of a biblical worldview. Yes. And that one expression, Mark, is something that I carry with me all the time. Uh, It's really the driving emphasis that I believe marks our show, Uh, what what I really want this program to be about. We talk about, as you know, a lot of different things. We talk to a lot of different people. I've had senators. I've had celebrities. I've had musicians, uh, authors, you name it, business people out the window. And what we want to do is look at all of these things through the lens of a biblical worldview. Mm. And that's how we need to look at the news. We need to look at the news and be able to evaluate it and not just kind of jump into the fray that everyone in this culture is doing. The challenge is, is people don't think for themselves anymore. And maybe it starts by kids in school, not learning critical thinking, going by what's told them. Um, how many times do people just go to get the news? They'll go on to their favorite app and look at headlines mm-hmm. and it may be clickbait just to get them there. They don't read the story and they go away thinking it said something. It absolutely doesn't, but we're, we're in that kind of media driven headline run with it society. Now you mentioned something while ago that it couldn't be uh, more true. And that is the universities in our country mm are by and large progressive seed beds. Yes, exactly. They are really teaching this kind of, uh, and I would, I don't think it's wrong for me to use the word extreme progressive viewpoints right. to the bulk of their students. So it's not uncommon at all for a student to go to college and maybe they went in there rather conservative in their mm-hmm. philosophy and perhaps even biblical in their worldview. It's not uncommon to see kids fall away and lose their involvement in church all because they went to a university. And I mean, these are some great universities that's going on to some degree at UF. It's going on at UCF. It's going on at UNF. It's going on in all of the colleges. You mentioned Columbia, Mm -hmm. which I believe that's in New York. uh, And that one and other major institutions across the country, they're teaching kids today uh, a, a relative a viewpoint about culture where it is rather godless uh, uh, to begin with. Absolutely. No mention at all or no credence at all given to the fact that uh, we were formed by a, a designer who is the Lord. That that concept is it's rare that you're going to find a college student right now that uh, hasn't at least heard an argument that would be just the antithesis of that. And Absolutely. I think that's true. When I was get going to college to be a counselor, I had a choice. I could go to typical uh, college, get a degree, get the counseling thing to where I could then go get a license. Instead, I took Nuthetic counseling, which is a biblical I know counseling. That term, yeah. So, but the thing is with that, you don't learn Darwinian uh, right. Freudian uh, concepts. You learn how the Bible says to to counsel. These kids are going to college, and if they want to get the grade, you know they got to answer the question based on what the professor mm-hmm. says the answer is. Mm-hmm. If you disagree with that, you're going to fail. And with what you're paying for college, you can't afford to not get that degree. You know, that's so true. And and these kids, if they don't have any kind of mooring of the past in their life, that would be a biblical anchor. If they have not been raised in a home that went to church, uh, their family went to church or maybe has a praying grandmother or grandfather, 
these kids are getting there and it is as it happened to me when I was uh, in television the first time when I had a chat with a, a lady that I worked with in TV and she's an anchor. I'm the weather guy and, and we're, we're talking and I, I kind of like mentioned a, a Bible character. I think it was Moses. And she said, who? <laughs> She'd never heard the story of Moses. And this is again, back in the seventies. So I, I think it's critical that we realize that we are dealing with a culture right now that is in many ways being described as post-Christian. And it's, it's sad to think that, that that's America that we're talking about. Mike, if you had a child that was getting ready to enlist in one of the branches of service, mm-hmm. how would you want to prepare them before they went? Yeah, it's a now, great question. If you're sending your kid off to college, how do you need to prepare them for that? In both cases, you're sending them into a battlefield. Right. And we need to prepare our kids at home as much as we can to where we have, we know that the Lord could take care of them, but we, they need to have a good foundation I agree. on which to grow when they get in, into these environments. Yeah. You know, that prep, that prep work is tough. And it is long. And I think a lot of parents, Mark, honestly, a lot of parents forget that the day is going to come when their kids are no longer under the wing. You know, I know I experienced a bit of this with our daughter. I mean, we knew if you would have asked me, are we prepared for when, uh, you know, our oldest daughter was going to leave the house and get married? I think I would have told you, yes, I I I would have probably felt I was in safe, uh, kind of safe territory. When it happened, I felt ill-prepared. I felt like, oh my goodness, you're kidding me. What, 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 what? Mm-hmm. You're leaving? No. I mean, all of these things were going on in my mind. So you're right. I mean, we, we were able to do it maybe a little bit better for our other kids. My poor oldest uh, child is often, <laughs> we often talk about it. We were experimenting because we were first-time parents, and, mm. and there's a lot that we didn't do. But I tell you, friends, if you're listening to us today, what Mark said is golden. Prepare your kids for college the same way you'd prepare them for war. Yes, exactly. Because they're stepping onto the battlefield. That was well said, Mark. Thank you. And we need to we need to get ready and realize that, you know, they need to have some uh, heads up warning that they're going to go into what is nothing less than hostile territory for yeah. someone that's a believer in Jesus. When we were raising our children, and and my son is forty seven, daughter's forty six, so they're they were in school a long time ago. Mm-hmm. We chose to put them in Christian school versus public school, and they went all the way through Christian school. However, if back then they had the resources for homeschool, then that they have now, we would have opted for that. That would have been our prime choice because who trains up, who cares about your kids more than you? That's right. I I agree. And the thing is, if you're training them up at home, you can contextualize, you can prepare them, you can talk to them about things that will ground them to where they will be better prepared when they are leaving home. Yeah. I know a lot of parents can't do that, but oh my goodness, I never thought I would have the day to, that I would say, folks, just keep your kids home. Teach I them think, at home. I think every mom and dad who have a kid, especially in their younger years in elementary, I highly, highly recommend yes. that you look into and maybe don't just turn it away without really prayer and and consideration uh, to consider homeschooling as an option because you're right. No, no one cares about that child more than the parents. Right. Number two, we're already seeing, I mean, that's what the big, uh, the, the big stuff going on in Florida has been about is basically three, four, five, six-year-old children whether or not they're going to be uh, given news about transgenderism and things like that in the school systems, they are going to hear it. They're going to hear it. And if they're not prepared, you talk about confusion that can happen in the heart of a child. 
All right, this is going to sound a little crazy, but imagine your seven or eight-year-old child who is parked for several hours next to a child who identifies themselves as something other than the sex that yeah. they were born with. Yeah. Which could biological be, sex. Yeah. It could be a plethora of things. Mm-hmm. What is your child spending all of those hours every day next to that person? What are they going to come away with? How are you going to counteract not only their interaction with them, but everybody saying, this is good. Mm-hmm. This is good. Yeah, I agree. And, and there's just no way, uh, you know, you think about that analogy that you've just given, and then you think about what was told to me by some parents. I had some parents in my first couple of years of being a youth pastor. And the parents, they had some kids that were pretty wild. They were they were rebellious. They were not respectful. And I remember having a meeting with the parents one day about just that very thing and their kid. And to my surprise, they put the onus on me as the youth pastor. In fact, the dad looked at me and he said, what are you going to do with him? You're his youth pastor. And my answer was, what are you going to do with him? You're his parent. Yeah, I, I I have him for what, 90 minutes a yeah. week? And you're there all day long, every day of the week. Isn't it interesting that Paul uh, tells both Titus and Timothy what to look for in deacons yeah, and, and, and elders? And right. one of the things is, is, how are they raising their family? That's right. Are they, are they doing a good job at home? And if they're not doing a good job managing their home, how can they manage the house of God? And that's really what it boils down to. So all of that to say, as we kind of wind down on this segment, uh, how we look at what's going on in our culture, how we interpret these news cycles mm-hmm. that are here. And we, here we are. We're recording this in the early afternoon. It will air uh, at our airtime, both at 3.05 and then again on Tuesday night at 9.05. And then it will air one more time. On Wednesday morning at 10.05, we, as we sit here right now, we have no idea whether this story that came out over the weekend about uh, Donald Trump being arrested on Tuesday, but we need to already be thinking, how will we respond to it? How will we respond to other stories that are going on? How will we respond to what our kid comes home and tells us from school, Right, if they're at school? What are we going to do? And we need to make sure, Mark, that we're looking at all of these things through the lens of the Bible and Absolutely. say, how would that inform me to inform my child? Mm. What would it say? What does the Bible say about this or that scenario? Uh, and, and maybe it's a general principle. Maybe that particular thing that's coming up with your kid is not so much discussed verbatim. But the principle behind it is in the word. We need to be asking ourselves, what does the Bible say about that? And I think if we do that, we'll handle these news cycles a lot better. And I think a big challenge is, is the average rank and file Christian doesn't know what the Bible says. It's it's the book that has most of the dust uh, on in the house. It it is sad. We are biblically illiterate and, what does it say? If you don't, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. Yeah, that's right. I think that's one of the reasons why all this stuff is happening around the world. I think it's a shaking. Yeah. God's trying to wake us up to say, get in the word, learn what's coming yeah. down the road. That's right. It will help you. It certainly will. Yeah. Mike Gilland here with you on Afternoons with Mike, my guest in the studio, our good friend, Mark Goldstein. It's always such a joy to be able to sit and talk to Mark. We'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses were offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, 
EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Here with me in the studio is Mark Goldstein. Mark is part of The Shepherd. He does a lot of uh, work behind the scenes uh, with some of our advertisers. He also hosts his own program called The Shepherd at Work. It's heard every Saturday at 4.05 in the afternoon. And uh, man, I, I just love the fact that you have these guests that talk about things and how to live their lives. We talked about in segment one somewhat the idea of living our lives with our eyes looking through the lens of the Bible, a yes. biblical worldview. And with that in mind, that's what we would believe that every believer needs to do in their job. And when it comes to their work, they need to be a marketplace minister as your book that yeah. you wrote talks about, right? It, it does. And the fact is when you're in the word, when you're in a relationship with the Lord, your countenance is different. You know, things that we'll talk about in a little bit that I'm mm -hmm. going through. Yeah. I cannot, I cannot even believe or understand how a non-Christian, somebody right. with no faith could, could go through some of the things that my wife and I are going through. Yeah. But, but the fact is that people, they need to wake up. Right. The, the, the answers are out there. They need to get into the word and know you know, know what's coming down the pike, because if you did, you wouldn't be as Utsi mm -hmm. and, and, you know, chasing this news story and that news story and trying to figure out what God is saying through that. You just get in the word and he'll tell you. Right. He does. And he's faithful to do that. Yeah. He told us if we ask, knock, seek, we'd get all of these things. But isn't it funny, Mark, how even people who have known the Lord for years when something really big happens in their lifetime, it can knock them off their, their center, so to speak, and they're not, they're not thinking in the maybe early stages of that. They kind of lose themselves and like begin to panic. It's, it happens to us all. So it's important, and that's why we need each other. That's why we have to have relationships, because uh, the Bible talks about if uh, two are walking in a road and one falls, the other's there to help him up, yes. and we need that. We need to have that kind of concept. Uh, a three-chord strand, yes. the Bible says, is not easily broken. It's not easily snapped. Well, And it is that preparation. Uh, another dear friend of our station, Pete Fulch. Mm -hmm. uh, Peach is a... Pete. <laughs> is Peach, a, he's a peach of a guy. He is, yeah. but he's also a marathon runner. Yeah. And I mean, he does these super marathons. Well, he'll run for a day and a half without... <laughs> <laughs> But the, the point is, in his training, it isn't just what he does a few days uh, or the day before the event. He's been training for weeks and months for that in right. pre preparing for it. Yep. So as believers, we can't just, oh, 9-11 happens. Oh, let's go to our Bible. Let's start boning up and, and, right. and, and spiritualizing up or whatever. It's the daily in there, the consistent walk and relationship with the Lord. Right. Um, you know, how do you, how can you not spend time with them for a month, two, three months, and then all of a sudden open the word and expect that, oh, let's pick up where we were four months ago, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that in relationships with no. your wife or your, uh, your, your parents, if you're a child, it, it doesn't work. You can't talk to them or not talk to them for three months, like you said. And then the moment you decide, well, I, I think I need to have a chat. It, like there's no, there's no gap there. Yeah. There will be a gap. And I really appreciate your willingness to discuss what we're going to move into right here. Okay. Because you are going through, you and your wife, Ronnie, uh, are going through something that no one thinks about really no one they all we all have it in the back of our mind that we're not going to all live forever you know we're not going to be here forever we yeah. all know that but then there comes this reality of what happens when 
and if you get something that takes you into this land of what's called terminal, this uh, kind of condition where now we know that what we knew before is still true, but it's much more imminent Mm. than what it was before. And that's kind of what happened to you and Ronnie. So why don't you tell us what happened? Um, Ronnie has been kind of sick for quite some time and she had gallbladder removed. She's had other things. She's diabetic. Uh, but about a year ago she started getting weak and it was very difficult for her to move around, walk. She couldn't exercise, couldn't do all of that. Well, we finally got a different doctor. They ran some tests and, uh, they determined she has congestive heart failure. Hmm. And she has, uh, for those who are medically uh, un- understand this, she has a 15% ejection fraction. That's right? low. Yeah, it, it just uh, her heart is just barely going. But it keeps her going to go from her her bed to her recliner and with intermittent stops to the bathroom mm-hmm. during the day you're getting with her walker or her chair. So, yeah, she's, you know, going downhill rather quickly, but she's just kind of stable now. And we don't know how much longer she has, but we're just, we're just wanting to make that time as quality as possible. That's a tough thing. And that's, you know, the kind of involvement I know when my dad, he fought cancer and he had it in his kidney. He had part of his kidney removed. Mm. And then Within, I don't know, within a year, it came back on the rest of the kidney. So we kind of wished that in hindsight, we thought it would have been better had he had the whole thing removed first time. Mm. But in that amount of time, that's that was the decision that dad had made. In that amount of time, it did come back and it came back strongly. And then it ended up uh, spreading to other areas. And so I remember getting the call from my dad. In fact, I have the conversation uh, still in my iPhone uh, voicemail mm. that I, I listen to it every now and then. I love hearing my dad's voice, and that's mm. one way I can do that. But he called me and left a message for me saying he had news. And the news, as it turned out that day, was that he was going to be going into hospice mm. because of the that's what they were recommending for him. So that was in January when that call happened, and he passed away in July. So sure enough, it was about a six-month period. Right. And they were right on that mark of, uh, of time frame when they said, I, I think this has moved from beyond what doctors, any doctor, mm-hmm. is able to do. And that's kind of what you're facing right now. And Ronnie's been on in hospice for about two months, and... But what's interesting is hospice is not the death sentence that it used to be. You'd mm-hmm. say somebody's going into hospice and a week or two later they're gone. Uh, they do hospice care and palliative care. Mm-hmm. So they have not taken her off of her medications. But she's in an environment, she's at home, but she's in an environment to where she's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's going to finish with dignity um, whenever that that will be but yeah. uh but she is and what's crazy is this is about the best care that she's ever had <laughs> it's sad it has to wait until it's hospice to where you get great medical care <laughs> you know i remember uh, an interview and i can't remember if it was your show might have been your program or john crossman's show where the guest was from hospice i don't know was that his show probably i think it was his program and they were saying that occasionally people who enter hospice, they actually get to the point where they are no longer a hospice qualified mm-hmm. and a hospice will release them back to just normal care. And of course, if things change in the future, they can go right back mm-hmm. under that. So you're right. I mean, it's not a death sentence necessarily, but in most cases, it is, it is very serious yeah. and terminal meaning the end is going to be sooner than later. Right. And so that that is that would be the norm, but there are exceptions to the rule, and that's what that lady said. There are, and you always put out hope that is, but she would have to get a lot better 
to get off and medically speaking that doesn't happen mm-hmm. but uh but, but not the, but the wonderful thing that, what is so amazing mike is that ronnie and i have been together for 43 and a half years married over 42 years and i can honestly say that these are the best weeks and months of our lives um just what it's it's brought us together and things and facing things together and just watching the Lord work in our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- we all know that unless he comes first, we're going to transition right. to something else. Yeah, that's right. We're all going to do that. I mean, even when he comes, we're going to transition. But, <laughs> right. So 100% of people that have ever lived minus maybe, you know, Elijah and, and a Enoch. Of, Enoch, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the, we all go to the same place. All we can ever hope and pray for is that it's peaceful. It's on our own terms, if you will. Right. Uh, that it's not painful, that it, there's dignity and all that. That's what we, we hope for. And that's what we pray for. Um, and, you know, the Lord is really honoring that with Ronnie and I. Um, this we she went in hospice before Christmas, and um, this was the best Christmas and holidays we've ever had. And I think what happens is is when you realize it's your last one. Yeah, you become much more intentional. Yes, and and we did. We were we were laser focused, and we just we just treated each other even more special. Mm-hmm. And, and even since then we do that. And, and the shame is we look back and say, why weren't we doing this yeah, 42 that, years I, ago? I think that is the truth. And that's a lesson for all of us in the middle of this, mm-hmm. which is one reason why we're talking about this today. I know without a doubt, when you look over uh, the regions that we broadcast, we're over, Orlando, as big as Orlando is, we're over the villages and in Ocala and then in Gainesville. So we know that there are people here who, without a doubt, are either having somebody in their family going through what you're going Mm -hmm. through, or perhaps they have a friend who's going through it. And I, I think that the last thing that you said is something that we should really grab hold of. Live your life today intentionally. Live your life today not assuming that we're going to be here forever because right. we're not. Right. And, and and that lesson that you said, I wish we had learned that, you know, before you've been married for 42 years, you could have employed that. And, you know, it's kind of like, this is true, Mark. I've lived in a house before that I, I fixed it up the way I wish I would have fixed it up only to sell it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I remember our first home that we bought. It was in Evansville, Indiana. And we had a detached garage that the people that had lived there before had junked that thing up with all sorts of garbage in it. Mm. Cindy and I lived there for seven years. And we were young. We were busy. We had our first child within a year of moving into that house. Uh, And so I let that busyness and the excuse of that to really keep me from saying I don't have the time to clean the garage out and and use that nice detached garage. That thing sat there for seven years, just like a locked up. I mean, you know, for all I know, there could have been a, an old car and it could have been a garage find. You know, no, I, I don't think there, I knew there wasn't a car in it, but there was a lot of great junk in that thing. Yeah. Point is, I did it when we got ready to sell it. Yeah. I cleaned it out. It didn't take me near as long as I thought it would. And that taught us a lesson that if we take the time to do what we should be doing, not only are we getting that thing done and off the, off the plate, so to speak, but you're able to enjoy life. I would have been able to have enjoyed having that garage. Absolutely. Now somebody else is. <laughs> now somebody else? Well, yeah, somebody else got to enjoy the fruit of my labor that I never got to enjoy. And if that's true with a garage, how much more true is it with a relationship yeah. of your spouse? You know, I, in our house, is we know is always clean uh, the day before Thanksgiving. 
when we're hosting people. You know, yeah. we always go through and do that deep cleaning. Right. But we don't do it for other times. Yeah. So, but you're right. We, we, we save that up. And um, reality, Mike, we don't know if we're going to see our spouses this evening. That's right. None of us do. I mean, I may actually get on I-4. So the statistics. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> yeah, could dangerous be. out there. But yeah. the other the other thing is how we've just marveled and we, we laugh and we cry to see how God yeah. shows up. There has not been a day, and I can show you on my phone, there has not been a day where if we're in a, a dark place or something has happened, I'll get a text or I'll get a phone call or an email from somebody that says, God has put you on my heart. Oh, that's beautiful. That's uh, the kingdom of God right there. Somebody that you've interviewed in, in the past, a magnificent man, man of God, Caleb Wampler. Yes. I hadn't Love heard. Love that guy. Yeah. I hadn't, you know, life happens and I hadn't talked to Caleb in like two years. And I get a text that said, Mark, God put you on my heart to pray for you and your wife. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. So what it shows us is God is very intimately involved with our lives right now, so much so that even before we know it, he's already putting somebody in our path to minister to us. That's the goodness of our God, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. You know, I was able to lead some worship Sunday night at our community group. And the last song, we were looking at Psalm 145, which uh, we studied that psalm that night in group. And it talks in there all about the goodness of God and, and you know, the fact that we are to bless his name mm. uh, because of his greatness. He is great. So I had three songs that kind of went along. The last one is, oh, it's one of these songs. It's called The Goodness of God. Goodness of God is mm. the title. And uh, the chorus goes, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Mm. Now that, I tell you what, even even just saying those lyrics mm. really just does a number on my heart. I, I'm thankful that our God is good. He is not only great, he is good. Mm. And he's good to us. My guest today is Mark Goldstein. We'll be back for one more segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Here in the Shepherd Studio with my good friend, Mark Goldstein. Uh, Mark and I were talking uh, a bit ago in the last segment about a song that I just really, really love. And I asked Mark, are you familiar with it? And it, we do this in our church. And uh, it, it's just such a beautiful song. And I wanted to Share just a little bit of the chorus, a little bit of heads up for those listening on podcasts. Unfortunately, it will be clipped out uh, when uh, it starts, and that's just the what we have to deal with licensing-wise for the internet. But the rest of you here on the air will be able to hear it. Uh, here it is right now. It's Jen Johnson and the goodness of God.
goodness mm. is running after. It's running after us. Mm. And that is so true. That is the goodness of God, Jen Johnson. And I love that song. It, it's just very powerful. You can find that on YouTube. And I, I highly, highly, highly recommend listening to it because it, it just really carries that thought of truth from Psalm 145. He is good. And, and his goodness endures, Mark, forever. And you don't really fully realize it until you need to see it. Yeah. Until the, you need to feel it. it. It That has, the words of that song have never been as important and profound as they are in our lives right now. Because That's right. people ask me, I cannot imagine what it's like going through what you're going through. And I turn around and say, I can't imagine what it would be like not because this is, it's redemptive. It's God showing his love, his intimacy uh, to come so close to us in good times. And more importantly, I think in challenges to let us know he's been there. Mm-hmm. He's got this. And to just hold on, hold on. The The journey is almost over. Yeah. Finish well, my friend. You know, when you look at that and you think about the fact that there are people who are going through the same things you're going through without this kind of comfort, without the kind of relationship that we enjoy with God and the faith that we have in his word. They're doing it without, and that's one of the things that I just never can quite understand. I I can't either, and I think that's where people end up turning to the alcohol and other things yeah, to, to kind of uh, dull that. But one of my favorite songs is, uh, and, and it was my favorite even before now, is uh, from Mandisa. It's called Cry, hmm. and it talks about letting your prayers roll down your cheeks. Wow. I don't think I've heard this. Uh, you, you can Google it. Okay. Uh, Mandisa cry. Um, but, and it, it, it's not that your faith is weak. It's God appreciates emotion, right? Honesty. And there will be times where I'm just going along and I'll hear something or see something and I'll just start crying. Mm. But then it's at that time where I feel his closeness. And, and his presence. So, um, again, is this a challenging time? Sure. Yeah. But it's a wonderful time, Mike. It's a wonderful time. It really is. Well, I think if, if our listeners today pick up on any one thing, I pray it is this, that we need to be intentional with our relationships. Mm. We need to realize that we are not given every day that we think we're going to have. We're not necessarily given that at all. I remember Mark, and I've shared this before for our listeners. You may have heard me tell the story, but I was called into a hospital one time to pray with somebody I'd never met. He was a neighbor of a a friend in the church, and they asked me to go pray for him. He wasn't a believer, they said. And I went in, and I found a a guy that looked like he was a picture of health sitting up in a hospital bed. Mm. And he was the nicest guy. And I could see why the neighbor loved him, but he knew nothing about God and he had just been a good person. But as we chatted, I, I began to feel, well, now I've been told that he's really terminally ill. So I thought I'm going to share the gospel with him. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, you mind me telling you what I do? And I was a pastor and, and I, I said, the reason I do it is because of the story of, of Jesus and told him in just a, a brief couple of minutes the story of the gospel. Mm. And and I uh, I asked him at the end of me sharing, would he like to pray and ask Jesus to be with him mm. and to really put his faith in Christ? Because he seemed very affected mm-hmm. when I shared this story. And he goes, Mike, I would. I'd like for you, I'd like to pray. Mm. So he prayed and he asked the Lord to be his Lord and Savior to forgive him for all the sins that he committed and the years of foolishness that he had lived. And at the end of that prayer, he, it was all, it was like, I'm watching this unfold in my eyes. And I'm, you know, it's one of those 
I can't believe this is happening moments. And at the end of it, I I asked him, I said, now I've got to ask you a question. You are such a nice individual. Why is it? How is it that here in America with churches on every corner, how is it that you've lived your life without ever at once going to a church, without ever once praying to God? And he, his words, I will never forget. He said, Mike, I guess I thought I was going to live forever. Mm. Yeah. And what's sad is I said goodbye to him that day. He passed away the next day. Wow. That is profound. You know, it's one of those moments that you realize that God wasn't just my friend in our church that had asked me to go in. It was the Lord allowing this. You know, I had a similar situation with my parents. Uh, Raised Jewish. Uh, I became a follower. They didn't. Uh, They were later in life. They were both in assisted living. My mom was getting ready to be taken to memory care. But here's my my dad and my mom um, in their living room. And I had asked if I could invite a rabbi, Rabbi Charlie Kluge, a messianic rabbi, uh, over to visit. I talked with, with him before. And uh, so Charlie came over and he kind of told them his story. Now, my dad was out of it. His head was down. I th- we all thought he was asleep. But when Charlie got done and he did, talked about Jesus and he said, so Sonny Sylvia or Sonny, would you like uh, to be a, would you like to give your life to the Lord, be a follower? I, however he said it. And I, I thought my dad was asleep. He lifted his head. Now, here's a guy who was barely, he was mostly out of it by this time. He lifts his head, eyes as clear as a bell, and in a strong voice says, yes, I would. Oh, wow. And then he turned to my mother. He says, what, how about you, Sylvia? He said, well, if Sonny is, I want to spend eternity with him. Oh, so wow. she did. And they, they prayed. A week later, he was, he was passed. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. you never know. You, you just, that. but I think it brings up the point. And I hate to say it this way, but the thought of death is redemptive. Mm. I mean, it, it really gets you to focus on, all right, I've done it my way all this time. Is it the right way? Right. Is there something else I'm missing? Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is a great opportunity to say hats off a thousand thank yous to the people who work at hospice. Yes. To the people who are working in those hospital rooms, the nurses, the doctors, they deal with this every day of their lives. Yes. I know I saw it firsthand last year with my own mother. I was up there when she passed. And I, I'm telling you, the, the comfort that I received in that moment from these doctors would have been just heroic. No. They were heroic. And so thank you to all the hospice workers who are giving your lives day in and day out on a subject matter that a lot of people would not find redemptive. As you said, they would not find it to be pleasing at all. It's not the most pleasant. It's not the most fun. And, but it's far from being a thankless job when you're a family and someone you love is being helped by their work and their service. So many thank you to all of you who are working on those things. I think of a, a dear friend of mine who might be listening via podcast, uh, Pam Wisner, who has been on my program before, and she teaches uh, others on these very principles. Mm. And she's a, a bit of an expert on on the whole hospice care. And so I, I'm grateful. But our prayers, my friend, are with Ronnie as she Thank goes you. through these things and with you as well. Uh, it's so hard to be the one watching a loved one go through this. It is, but again, somehow, supernaturally, the Lord carries me through, carries us all through. Yeah. Well, the goodness of God is running after you, Mark, Mm -hmm. and that's the good news. He's running after Ronnie. He's running after all of us, and that's what we need to do. And that's why, going back, tying this to what we talked about in the first segment, uh, friends, don't get all that cranked about the new cycle. Mm. It's going to change in just a couple of days. What won't change is the fact that Jesus is Lord and he is on the throne. Uh, Our God is a sovereign God. 
and he's going to see us through. Now, that doesn't mean I like the way things are. In fact, I wish they could be dramatically different. And that's what we pray for. That's what we're praying about right now, that God would move and that God would help. Our government needs help. Our nation needs help. Our border needs help. God knows those working on the border, they need some assistance. And we are praying daily for them. But the most important thing for us all to hear today is that we serve a God who is able. We serve a God whose arm is not short. We serve a God who's given us his word and we need to be in his word on a daily basis and remembering the fact that he is a good God. Amen. Now, one thing I want to share with you before we go today, uh, a big walk is coming up on May 6th. It's just, oh my goodness, it's uh, over a month away, about six weeks away now, and it's going to benefit uh, a pregnancy center called Choices Women's Clinic. And the work that Choices does on a year-round basis, nothing less than amazing. We own two of those. I'm, I'm privileged to serve on the board of this great organization. And uh, if you would like to help, all you need to do is go to my Facebook page. Just look me up on Facebook, Mike Gilland, and I'm there. You can, uh, you can see it, and it's there for the public uh, go to that. And if you'd like to donate to this wonderful organization, I would appreciate it. They would appreciate it. It's doing a work, you know, Mark, when uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned on June 24th of last year, it did not end the, uh, the need for pro-life organizations. In Absolutely. fact, many people believe our work just began that day in, in real earnest, because we've seen things like Jane's Revenge, We've mm-hmm. seen uh, pregnancy centers around the country be attacked or even firebombed like Compass Care that Compass Care that uh, we've interviewed James right. Harden recently. Um, there's a lot going on. We need to stay in the in this battle and uh, continue to pray and maybe sow some of our own income into the work that they're doing to help the preborn, to Absolutely. help these that are most vulnerable and those that are unborn their lives matter to our god so go to facebook uh and then just look up mike gillen that's g-i-l-l-a-n-d and i would appreciate your consideration for that mark it's been great to have you here mike it's been a pleasure being here thank you yeah i love it i love your own program that you host and we'll be doing that again soon as well Uh, friends we'll see you tomorrow right here on afternoons with mike